0: And welcome everyone. Today we are going to welcome Nicole and Jemmy for the first part of the show and then we'll be taking your calls after that. We are out on Twitter spaces. You guys are slowly piling in there and of course I'm watching you also on the restream and uh, over at the Rumble Rants where there's nobody just yet. So you guys got to pile in there as much as possible. So uh, Nicole has a new book out. Uh, we'll be discussing it and she'll show it to you as soon as she comes in here. The book you can order, it comes out today. It's Nicole and Jemmy's Anatomy book. There it is, it's an extraordinary book, a catalog of familiar, rare, and unusual pathologies. And we will be talking about rare, unusual, and familiar pathologies today. Uh, Get a little bit about COVID. And uh, again, as I said, later we'll get your calls in here. That'll be at the top of the hour. We will go out on Twitter spaces and take calls, but uh, let's get right to Nicole's interview. Hey, everyone, welcome. Nicole has, of course, one of the most uh, popular Instagram accounts out there. It is at Mrs. MRS underscore and Jemmy, A N G E M I. Uh, if you like some of the stuff that's in the book here, you will love all the uh, grossness that people uh, that she shows on the Instagram account as well as her website, The Gross Room, G R O S S, TheGrossRoom.com. Please welcome Nicole and Jemmy.
1: Hi, Drew. How are you?
0: I'm great. So tell us what's in the book, why they should buy the book, why you wrote the book, what's going on?
1: So I wrote the book because as you know, on Instagram, I post all the time and I don't really have an organized way of showing people exactly what happens in the human body. So the book is kind of an A through Z tour through the human body of all your different body parts and all the different types of things that could go wrong with all your body parts. And I give a brief introduction in the beginning of my life and my background working in pathology. And also I just talk about my kind of theory of the human body and why I think it's important to share this kind of stuff.
0: Give, give me a thumbnail of that if you don't mind, because I know you and I share a similar feeling, which is just that it's matter of fact. People should, it's why I did Loveline. It was also simple and basic and people should understand this material because why not? Exactly. Yes, they should understand their pathology, they should understand their anatomy, they should understand a little bit about how their body works. Give them also uh, a, little, a little sketch on how this happened to you, how you went from nursing school, you talk about this in the book a bit, how you went from nursing school to the path lab.
1: So I kind of was a lost teenager. As you know, I'm like one of the original teen moms. Um, I had my daughter when I was in ninth grade and I didn't really know what I was going to do with my life. So I thought, Hey, I'm just going to go to college and become a nurse because that's what girls do. Right. And, um, I started going to college you know, and took the basic classes like biology and algebra and all those types of things. And then I soon found out that I really liked science and I didn't want to be a nurse at all. Cause, um, I took biology for my very first class and I had never taken biology because I dropped out of high school, so um, (laughs) it was new and interesting to me, and I got to look under the microscope for the first time, and thats I I immediately fell in love with science right away.
0: And you ended up liking what was under the microscope, ending up in a Cytopath lab, right?
1: Yeah, so basically, if you want to know how I got into that, my teacher was a microbiologist, and she was she worked as a microbiologist in the hospital and she kind of introduced me to that world. And then I got a job right away in the hospital working in microbiology, just like putting urine on Petri dishes and stuff like that. And then I kind of just fell into it from there. I, then I went to school to be a cytotech, which is looking at cells under the microscope. And then I got a job doing that. And then that's how I kind of, that's a division of anatomical pathology. And that's how I discovered the whole world of gross and gross pathology, organs, autopsies. So, I mean, that went over a course of, you know, 10 years or whatever, but it was, I, I make it seem a lot faster than it was, but it, it was, you know, I fell in love with science. That was the beginning part of it.
0: And you've been fascinated with uh, gross anatomy and human pathology ever since. A- and did you, I don't remember in the book, if you tell the story about the limb refrigerator, you tell that story in there?
1: Um. I might, I might touch on it a little bit because that was basically how I figured out that I was working at anywhere near that kind of stuff in the hospital. So when I worked in the cytotechnology lab, I just would sit there and look at slides all day and I wore clean clothes and I sat at a cubicle all day. And then one day I, I tell this story because this was kind of the, the changing moment for me. I was sitting at my desk just looking at pap smears, you know, and all of a sudden I heard commotion in the hallway and and then it was really smelled horrible, like, you know a dead decomposing body kind of. And I went out to see what the commotion was. And they said that the leg refrigerator was broken and it was leaking. And I just was so surprised because I didn't know that there was a refrigerator that was holding amputated legs in it. That was really on the other side of the wall I had been sitting at for two years. And um, when I went over there and looked at it, there was just like all these legs just kind of tightly wrapped in biohazard bags so you could see the outline of the leg just stacked up in this refrigerator. It was really just crazy to me to see that. And everybody's just kind of working back there. You know, you know, it was like a clear fridge, like you would see in the pizza shop or something. And everybody's just working (laughs) back there acting normal. And I'm just like, but there's legs right here. Like, what are you talking about? You know? Um, and, and then you know i i made friends with the people that worked back there and I, I would go day and just be like what are you guys doing and it would be like a colon like for example like a um diverticulitis colon sitting there on somebody's
0: like and, I and It looks
1: like yeah like it just looks like a, a kitchen there's a cutting board and there's knives and there's blood you know it's just it's like cutting meat basically but um I saw really crazy things like a giant ovary, like a huge ovary, bigger than my head, you know, and, and ju- I just, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And then all of a sudden I didn't think the microscope was so cool anymore. Cause I was looking <laughs> at all this stuff.
0: And h- how many autopsies do you think you do in a year on average over well, the last say, 20 I- years?
1: I, I would say like the, the hospital that I used to work at, um, we did anywhere from like 150 to 200 a year. Um, and it just varies depending on where you're at, because then after I had the kids, I worked at a hospital that did far less, maybe like 30 a year. You know what I mean? So it just, mm-hmm. it depends over, you know, I could, I could say that I've done hundreds over my life. I don't really know exactly a number cause I. Never really kept track. And I also, you know, did so many internships and observed autopsies, not necessarily cutting them. So I've just right. been immersed in that world since I was like 19 years old. So
0: I'm sure it's got to be a thousand if you really added it up.
1: Um, uh, yeah, I'm not, I, I really have no idea. Cause then that we, we did a lot on fetuses as well. So that's, I mm. mean, that was a bulk of it. And um, sometimes those numbers are counted in surgical pathology versus morgue numbers but yeah i've had my hands in a few bodies
0: (laughs) (laughs) quite a few and learned a bit as a result Uh, what do you mean when you say pathology is bigoted it's a bigot
1: well a, a lot of times you try to hear people trying to talk about medicine and trying to say that it's you know it's, it's broad based and you don't want to kind of narrow it down to certain races or certain age groups or something like that, because that's, you know, really big thing right now. But in pathology, that's just the most important stuff that you, you need to know, you know, um, you need to know how old people are. You need to know what race people are because certain things happen to different demographics of people. So, um, in the book, I just, I just touch on that, how and give actual examples of how that type of information is important to us because certain sexes could only get certain kinds of diseases. And it's just really important that we have as much information as possible to try to help come up with a diagnosis and all of medicine should be that way. not Pathology.
0: Yeah, biology is just a fact, it's just a thing, it's just a phenomena, it's just a, a structure and a physiology and a biochemistry and it just is. And I I wouldn't say you're so much a big a, a bigot as a profiler.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you know that everything has most commons and everything and then you're just basically trying, you, when you can narrow things down, okay, it's male, it's female, it's the, whatever sex it is, whatever age it is, Um, you know, I did my mystery diagnosis the other day or on Monday on, um, neuroblastoma, which is a tumor that you would, you would most specifically see in, in children and, and young, you know what I mean? Like you need to just know how old the person is and all that information is important as much as they don't want to say it's important. It is important. We need to know all that stuff
0: yeah i mean just the the most ex, the, out, an outlying sort of description would be you don't you don't see prostate cancer in children you don't see prostate cancer in women period yeah, exactly. ever yes ever yeah it's not even uh, just playing the odds, that just doesn't happen, and you don't see yeah. neuroblastomas in a seventy five year old at least not in a fifty five year old you don't see it certainly so exactly. all right so yes we agree completely so uh Let's think, of, I'm looking at some of the other things you're, yeah, you, you have a qu- comment somewhere that uh, humans are animals like any other animal, and we, we don't ask veterinarians to adjust their perception of the biology of animals any more than we sh- you should be adjusting your biology on humans, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, and That's one of the points that I bring up in the book is that we're just like every other animal. We are considered animals. But the difference is with us is that we can make choices to change, to go against our biology. So for some examples, I say, you know, we're based upon our teeth. We're created as omnivores and that's that's what we are. So that means that we're supposed to eat meat and we're supposed to eat animals. But people could go against their biology and they could choose to be vegetarian or vegan or whatever. But like that, that doesn't mean that, you know, that's that's not something that any other class of animal would do besides humans right but that doesn't change the fact that our teeth are designed to be omnivores right and our our bodies were designed to be omnivores so we can make choices to go against things even though you know if you want to be specific like female body was was is designed to you know hold a baby but people could choose not to have a baby if they don't want to and things like that whereas other Mm -hmm. animals don't make those decisions like we do
0: they don't impose the environment imposes things on them they don't impose things on themselves yes yeah so why don't you take some examples from the book and uh, stump me I've only read the first half of the book so you can use the second half to to uh freak freak everybody out and stump me
1: so let me this one might be kind of By the easy, way, first but. of
0: all, show people the book first, by the way. Show them what it looks what yeah. a work of art it is. There it is. So cute. There it it's is, it's cute everybody. Get your book. book. Yeah. It's so um. cute. You can get it. Get it from Amazon. Get wherever you buy books. Get it now.
1: So there this. Let me see if I could cover it so you can't see what it's called. Okay.
0: Mm.
1: Can I do this much? Hold on.
0: You uh, see that? It's a little glary. It's glaring a little bit. So lean it down a little bit so it's not so glary. Can you, can you lean it forward so it's not so... It's still glaring because you're up against the light. Shoot. Um, describe it to me. Let me see just the sort of a gross description. Maybe I can figure out what that is.
2: The banner's mm-hmm. in the way. I she mean, needs to what, hold it, it, really it
0: up. It, looked, it looks... Of, I, I tell you what it
2: looks hold like Hold it up from, in front of your face because your face is well-lit. So we might be able to see. Let me see. Yeah, yeah, I'm turning the don't. Oh. I don't, oh,
1: oh, oh, I don't really want to oh. give you... A, Wait, let me, co- yeah. let me cover this, too. Put it so by you your face. So I don't your... go away. How's that? Yeah.
2: Too close. Uh, Drew's over okay, to the, okay. yeah. There we go. Now you go. Oh, okay. There you go. Oh,
0: okay. Wow. That's interesting. Uh, can you... <laughs> nice th-
2: nails, by the way. You, you Can you... Thanks.
0: <laughs> 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 kind of des- describe to me and tell... Me, I can't quite see... It, it's hard from this perspective, but can you describe to me the, where you took it Drew's out Take Drew's box and... off,
2: Caleb, so it doesn't
1: cut it off.
0: It's all right. It's all right. We're good. Well,
1: it's... It's from the GI track and it's a well circumscribed only fecal- finely-
0: F- fecalith. Fecalith?
1: Co- it's close.
0: Ah, but, so a um, fecalith is like Fecalith, Susan, is essentially like a, a stool that's become rock. Uh it's actually gets oh, no. so impacted that it becomes this this rock like thing that gets Yummy. up in there. Uh, I,
2: I picked one of those out of the carpet today because the dog pooped underneath. That was because that's a fecal
0: it was The reason that was a fecal lift is that it's been there a week. It was is, I guess that's really stuck,
2: too. I, I was under the pool table
0: doing that. That's good. Good times. Good to know. Uh, Mom duties. So, so what else can you, what are hints can you give me?
1: <clears throat> well, it's part of a psychological disorder. Oh, but you were close uh,
0: with your first guess. Is it the lack? Is it, is it? Uh,
1: I can't be. Is it opiate yet.
0: addiction? Is it, is it obstipation from opiate addiction mm. or something? No. What do you got? No. I, it's hard to see it. So so you can tell me a little more. Tell me some more. I, um, or is it, uh, is it, uh, you know, phagia of all kinds of odd things and somebody's eaten a bunch of weird stuff and gotten obstructed yeah. from it? There you go.
1: Yes. So it's a trichobezar, actually. So it's a, oh, a beezer ball. That's interesting.
0: Yes. yes.
1: So this is a what? 19-year-old Eating hair. Yeah. So th- this is something I don't I actually no, i s I've seen this one time in surgical pathology. So basically if somebody has um you know a compulsion to eat their own hair the body doesn't really digest it and the and it could just accumulate in the stomach and it forms the shape of the stomach actually when it comes down to surgical pathology it causes an obstruction and uh the patients you know start vomiting because they have all of this hair stuck in their stomach basically and they have to surgically (sighs) remove it yeah it's crazy i picked up one of those yesterday
2: too
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's a cat. That's a cat. Bezoar.
2: I swear so, to God. <laughs> I'm hitting a hit.
0: But but Nicole, in my world, when I've seen bezoars in the past, it's usually been from an esophageal stricture, and it's usually bezoar just means a, a stock accumulated mass of something, a, and it's usually been accumulated food that doesn't pass through the esophageal stricture. Have you seen that as well?
1: Oh yeah, I've I've seen those. I've yeah. seen um. Yeah, like a phytobezor, it's called. It's just basically a ball of veg spinach, you know, vegetables spinach and, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. The, those ones are are more common. Um, but yeah, they, and and then I've gotten such crazy stuff that people, you know, patients with schizophrenia and stuff eat. I I used to get this one guy, um, you know, he would just come. I, I never actually met the patient, of course. I would just get the things that he would swallow, then he. I don't even he would swallow like um shards of glass and tips of knives like he seriously cut the tips off of knives and um f- screws like really pointy things and then we would get them and then they you know what they would take them out via endoscopy and then he would be back the next week and get them taken out again it was so crazy but yeah Yowie. people swallow he- lots of weird stuff um Ooh, i used to I I, I I got a lot of weird foreign bodies like that like um I got a butter knife once, a pen, which I I think that's a lot of it was from people, you know, trying to make themselves throw up and just, you know, losing Mm. their gag reflex from throwing up so much Mm -hmm. and sticking things way too far down and then like losing it, you know? Um,
0: I had a patient that used to roll, I had a patient, a client that used to, patient used to roll up a belt, swallow it, and then pull the belt out as a way of inducing the vomit. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's so <laughs> crazy. Good times. Huh?
0: So, so so um Susan and I watched 3 hours of Vegas Jail last night. <laughs> we did. <laughs> 3 hours of Las Vegas Jail. And the reason I bring it up is not that we're so nutty, but that it was 100% psychopathology that walked through the jail door. And I was telling her, it's like, no, this is, this is what I, for 30 years, I saw thousands of these people. This is what, they're just not put in the hospital anymore. They're let, allowed to deteriorate to the point that they end up in jail. And the, the you know, the, the bipolar, meth addicted, alcoholic, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And the behaviors are protean uh, protein, let's just say.
2: Alcohol makes you crazy sometimes. Yeah.
0: So, <laughs> you know, that's the world that's the world America's decided they want to be. We, we don't help sick people.
1: Yeah. Um, one of the members of the gross room was a corrections officer and she, she had some insane insight on working there and just the thing. I mean, she would just walk in and have a guy that just like cut himself open and was playing with his intestines and stuff. Just
0: crazy, crazy stuff.
1: I know just, it's crazy to see that, you know, to see that somebody would do that to could just be sitting there with their bowels in their hands. It's just nuts. Yeah.
0: It, it's this is this is untreated major mental illness, serious mental illness. so uh one of the things that's sort of been on uh, my audience's uh, radar have been this notion that there's some sort of unusual fibrous or fibrin-related clots being seen in autopsies uh, that is somehow new, different, related to vaccine therapy or spike proteins or something i i I don't know what, what have you seen anything like that?
1: I haven't seen anything out of the ordinary that I've seen prior to this. As far as that goes, I read an article about that, that had to do with, um, embalmers would say that they would see it. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if it has anything to do with their procedure, but I personally haven't seen anything different as far as the regular, you know, autopsies go on people. I haven't right. done and, I mean it's not that I've done hundreds since since COVID, but I've I've definitely had my hands in a couple and I haven't seen anything unusual.
0: And in, in terms of the clots you normally see, what do you normally see? So I can uh at least help people well, understand that.
1: We we always see clots. I mean, this is right. it's just the difference is is it a real clot or is it a post-mortem clot? Because the blood clots. Right. So when it's normally in the vessels, it's kind of like jelly looking you can kind of pull it out i i probably have pictures if you want me to look for them um and then when you look for a real clot you would look to see if you could say the lines of Zahn. remember that from pathology class and like you could see the fibrin, and you could see that it adheres to the wall of the vessel like so if you tug on a little bit like a, a post-mortem clot if you just grab it you can like pull it out of a vessel and it just like slides right out but a, a true clot like i'm talking about it, most importantly, like a pulmonary embolism, that's like the most significant ones we look for. Um, They're ad- they're a little bit like adherent to the wall of the vessel. So yeah. I mean, it's I I don't know what they're talking about because people are looking for stuff sometimes that might not really, ex- you know what I mean, like
0: right. That's, that, not that's what it looked like to me. I... For me. Yeah, I was very skeptical when I saw what they were describing because I was thinking this does not look that unusual. Now, by the same token, you know maybe the person died of some sort of consumptive coagulopathy, but that's not weird clots. That's a consumptive coagulopathy. <laughs> that's you know that's something you should be that's a diagnosis you should be coming to, you know, as a result of the the path workup, right?
1: Yeah, and I mean, I don't. I I think every every dead body has clots in it. Like that's because that's just what happens, you know, and I've seen yeah. some weird ones over the years that to the point where like, I would show the pathologist and they'd be like, I don't know, just take a section of it and let's look at under the microscope. Cause it looked a little bit different than the other, like a classic mm. post-mortem clot, but it also wasn't a, mm-hmm. a PE clot either, you know? So um, mm. I don't know, like, I, I don't, I, I can't say, cause I don't know what, like, I want somebody to be like, here, Nicole, like, look at this, does this look different, you know? Yeah. Somebody's just saying it, I don't I don't know, you know.
0: Yeah. And and there are different right, there are clots you can throw from a valve, there are throats you can there's atherombolic clots from an aortic wall, there is you know, venous clots that go to the, the pulmonary system. There's all kinds of things that can hurt people that are clotting. And you can get a diffuse consumptive coagulopathy, which is what I kind of worry about with COVID these days. But all those things are just, those are diagnoses. Those are not some magical, weird clot that they find at at post. So, okay. Yeah, and I mean, Um, post-mortem clot is in.
1: Okay. um, Let's see. If I have a good case here. I have lots of good cases, but I'm trying to find one that you might not, that might be a little bit difficult for you. (laughs) Since you normally get it so quick.
0: Embarrass me. That's the Um, name of the game here.
1: Well, okay.
0: And when you do find the right picture, holding it in front of your face seems to be the thing. And Susan, if I can get a water, that would be amazing. I plop down without doing any of that.
1: All right, let's see if you know this one. So this okay. is a funny story. One of my daughter's friends just texted her and was like, "Oh, I just got your mom's book, and I opened it to this picture of someone's butt crack." <laughs> so
0: <here you> <laughs> it is okay. someone's butt crack. How fantastic! Oh, nice. Uh, okay, okay. Over to the. T- take uh, it over to your
1: left.
2: I mean, you're right. Okay, Sorry. I
0: think I know. Go I th- to the
1: right a little more. A little Sorry, more. of like face. I'm kind of like backwards. Uh, I'm can't. gonna.
0: I'm gonna say that's a rectal fistula.
1: Huge. <laughs> There, perfect. I'm
0: gonna say rect- oh, I'm cla- gonna say I'm call- I'm claiming rectal fistula or a gunshot wound. Let me
2: see. But- <laughs> what too much anal sex?
0: Uh, no, no. Perianal, <laughs> e- uh, either a perianal abscess or a rectal fistula. Yeah, what, those are my uh, those are my guesses.
1: Okay. No. Okay. Oh, squamous CA's squamous no. cancer. You're close no. yeah. It's a pilonidal cyst.
0: Oh, I'm used to those being more midline. Yeah. Uh, if anybody's yeah, interested, that is what Josh, you po- talk. yeah. Josh awesome. Potter had one and I, I did, I cleaned it. I, I did a, a, a irrigation, and drainage on it on camera. You can find it at your mom's house and the, his was so deep. It went all the way up his spine. It was it, this, he, you should use his pathology report for your next book. They had to, they had to splay it open and it was about 10 centimeters. All, went oh, wow, almost really? to the bone he, he just they, just they got sh- so just short beautiful. of just short of osteoporosis just short of it yeah was chris saying hair cyst pilonidal means nest of hair it's latin for nest of hair and it sort of starts as a hair ingrown hair. somebody called
2: it deviated rectum
0: deviated rectum there you go we got, we got nothing but comedians here
2: all right well nicole we wanted nothing to make better than butthole jokes
0: we wanted to make sure to get you in here i know you've got to run we want to get you in here to promote the book and to get people to go get it hold it up again nicole and jemmy's anatomy book <laughs> the grossroom.com is where you can get it uh there it is and uh it's it's a work people want to know about your tattoos it's, Oh, they're asking about your tats. What do they want to know?
1: What, what do they want to know? Is that, that, what do you want to know? I'm like, yeah, uh, show them your neck That's what they want to know. One is, which one's this? One, there are two of my kids' names. One says Lillian and one says Lucia. Me and Gabe have matching the same ones, my husband. And for those of you that so don't know, Yeah, they're Gabe
0: really is pretty. a fire chief. They live out in Pennsylvania and uh, he's a captain at the.
1: He's captain, captain. in um, Camp, Camden Fire Department, actually in New Jersey on the other side of Philadelphia.
0: And I'm trying to get Nicole to do television for a long time. And one of these days, maybe I can persuade her to. And both she and I, before I let you go, we have been just wondering, I, I think, you know, uh, you're you know, with COVID and all, Nicole and I commiserate with each other what seems to have happened with our peers. It seems like we, it, the, the, they divided into, you know, risk averse, and risk tolerant camps didn't it it's like people we a lot of our peers showed up to just completely risk averse and as such made bad decisions because you have to have risk reward thinking at all times not just risk avoidance
1: yeah i mean for me that this whole thing's been really difficult because obviously like i've seen i think if you ask an average person how many dead people they've seen it's not really that many and um You know, I was working, not only did I do all those hospitals or those autopsies, you know, throughout my training and my career, but also I used to take care of all the death, the the, the people that died in the hospital. So it it was, you know, the one big university hospital I worked at, it was like 600 people a year dying. So I, I saw so many dead people every day. So people dying isn't like huge to me, like people die every day. Um, and that's, that's, what that's life, you know, so I don't, and, and.
0: Do you think that's what it is that we've hidden death away even even physicians don't get to see death unless you're we're a hospice doctor or an internist that deals with death and dying?
1: Yeah. And I just think that, I just mm. think I don't know where we ever came up with the concept that people shouldn't die. It's just, it's just really yeah. crazy to me. So, I mean, obviously yeah. if if you can prevent, you know, people from dying as much as possible. But, you know, I've heard just crazy things like one death is too many and this and that. And it's just like, come on. And, 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 it's become this obsession with the death count on the news. You know, I don't know if that's happening as much anymore, but it was like every single day we were, I was getting Mm -hmm. like an email from my County saying how many people were diagnosed, how many people died. And it's just like, if you did that for any other disease at any time, it would be very significant and striking as well. Like it's just, so that kind of stuff just was like driving me nuts because it was, it's always been a reality to me that that happens, yes. and um, they went a, why, a little lot of overboard.
0: Yes, yes, and that's why I, I keep this textbook on my on my uh, desk here to be, help people understand that people die of these things. This is you know thousands of pages of things that if if you knew about and started worrying about, you would not be able to get through your day. You wouldn't be able to do it, and, yeah, and this and then and this is just infectious diseases of children only and it's you know this kind of tome and that's probably and that just shit happens <laughs> they're right it was these were yeah, the smallest it, ones i could find
1: yeah and i totally um you know my book is like over what what is there 103 cases or something in my book and not one of them has to do with COVID. It's just like, well, one, (laughs) one guy was able to get, you know, he wasn't able to get treatment like when he, you know, maybe right away because of it. But yeah, I mean, it's just like, there's, there's hundreds of other things that people deal with every day. And it's just kind of exhausting at this point to just talk. I mean, it's, it's almost 2023 and we're talking about COVID-19 still, you know, I tell my kids all the time, I'm like, Mm -hmm. it's called 19 because this is how long we've been dealing with it. Um, not to say that there's not some, um, you know, obviously caution with it and everything like that, but people are just completely have gone off the rockers and it's, and I'm just trying to be like normal over here. (laughs) I mean, think about me being normal is scary. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> and the new normal one everyone else goes off their like, rocker they, you start looking pretty sane there honey so
1: and you, so. And you like always talk about being in upside down world and stuff and it's like yeah it's upside down world when nicole's I the know. normal one
0: so. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll leave it at that uh, i know you have to go uh somebody on the restream just said check out dr malhotra and uh, he is interviewed today by Dr. John Campbell. I have a podcast with Dr. Malhotra that I promise you is better than, is not. this is not to be critical of Dr. Campbell, but the stuff that Malhotra and I get into, I think you'll learn a lot more. We talk for an hour. It's dropping on Thursday on the Dr. Drew podcast. That is Dr. Asim Malhotra, a cardiologist who has some very important observations about vaccine therapy and COVID and whatnot. So Nicole, great job, good luck with the book. Nicole and Jimmy's Anatomy Book and hopefully we'll talk to you very soon.
1: Awesome, thank you. you All right, see you soon
0: and we'll come back and we will be taking your calls after the break. Consumer price index yet again going up, stock market in turmoil. What's our government doing to quell the surge of inflation that is gutting American families? Oh yeah, they're spending more money and adding to the burden. Don't bury your head in the sand while your savings get decimated. It's time to do something about this. Visit birchgold.com slash drew. Now, I don't give investment advice, but you can visit birchgold, B-I-R-C-H, gold, B-I-R-C-H gold.com drew. BirchGold will send you a free info kit on protecting your savings with gold in a tax-sheltered account. Great people with almost 20 years of experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metals IRAs. Don't let your savings lose value. Visit birchgold.com and claim your free, no-obligation info kit from Birch Gold. You can own physical gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account, and Birch Gold will help you do it. Birch Gold has an a rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers. Check them out now. Visit birchgold.com and secure your future with gold. Do it now. For a long time, I've been talking about the holy grail of skincare, Genucel, and the amazing results that both Susan and I have seen. I'm a big fan of Genucel's Silky Smooth XV. It's a moisturizer soaked right into my skin instantly, and with its immediate effects, I saw fine lines and wrinkles visibly disappear within 12 hours. Susan loves Genucel's Vitamin C Serum, infused with the purest vitamin C, absorbs to the deepest layer of the skin thanks to Genucel's proprietary skincare technology.
2: I am a snob when it comes to using products on my face. The dermatologist makes a ton of money from me. But when I was introduced to Genucel, I was so happy because it's so affordable and it works great.
0: and receive an extra 10% off at checkout when you enroll in their personal concierge at checkout. That again is com slash Drew, genuce com slash D-R-E-W. Welcome back everybody. Uh, we are gonna be taking calls off Twitter spaces of those of you who are there listening, if you wanna ask a question. You just uh, raise your hand to be a... Sp- Give everybody a
2: peek at your your bobblehead.
0: I will, just a second. A speaker, and uh, I will call you up to uh, ask question, and you'll be streaming out on multiple platforms, Twitter, Twitch, Rumble, Facebook, YouTube. So
2: don't be mad if you see yourself later, or hear uh, yourself wherever later.
0: Wherever we uh, do it. Uh, so this, Susan, why don't you talk about this?
2: Why don't I talk about it? Yeah. It's actually available for the holidays, you know, if you want to get that little stocking stuffer for your family member or whatever. But anyways, you can, um, still get them. They're available at drdrew.com slash shop. And, um, we'll we're going to have some discounts coming up soon. I think, I don't know. I have to ask. Oh, he's um, got a, he's got $5 can't... off. On There's a the... discount. Yeah. If use code Dr. Drew. Yeah. So we're gonna, we're going to be, uh, pushing those for the holiday. There you go. So don't forget because okay. they sat in a container all through Christmas last year so thought we'd give it a shot this time i think it was like
3: just like barely it. just slightly late uh last year for everyone for their holidays so now it's it's the great opportunity
0: great thank you so much guys uh i am reading your retweets and uh, your e-streams and your rumble rants uh let's see what you guys are starting. just don't put it in your butt There's a lot of um Oh my God! There's a lot of uh, talk. It just about... cracks
2: me up, Nicole, with all her things. You know, she's she's seen a lot of things like
0: that. Oh yes, oh yes, she has. Uh, a lot of talk about the so-called fibrous clots. We Nicole and I did talk about that, and she says she's not seeing anything out of the ordinary. And because they're not giving us the cytopathology, like really looking at it under a microscope, is we have no idea what those things are. We have no way of telling. It's it's sort of a. Somewhat of a false flag. I, I I don't think it's something we should be paying a lot of attention to. Now, the the one thing that I think is a po- real possibility is that people are getting a low-level, what's called consumptive coagulopathy, which is platelets aggregating throughout the body We that we know that's what happened to me from the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. And maybe in certain situations, that's getting a little bit out of control. Maybe that's causing or associated with death somehow, though generally that doesn't cause death by itself. So be that as it may. Again, if you want to come up here and ask questions, just raise your hand and uh, I will see you. I know a few of you are listening there. Uh, we can talk about any topic you wish. It doesn't have to all be COVID. Doesn't have to, we're, we're moving off of Nicole and Jemmy and gross anatomy and talking about the things we usually talk about. Malhatra, he, who whom you will hear on Thursday, was very interesting. He said they are seeing more supraventricular arrhythmias. If you heard Kelly and I yesterday, we were talking about the incidence of atrial fibrillation, which is clearly and shown in good research to be on the increase. But it is not just atrial fibrillation, these rapid, you know, your heart has four chambers, two on top, two on the bottom, and your heartbeat generates from the top. And if there's something irritating the top, it starts firing off uncontrollably and moving through the AV node into the ventricles. And you get these rapid regular rhythms that are like, you know, like this for no good reason if you're just standing quietly. And those are can become dangerous, uh, and they sometimes have to be they have to be treated in essentially all cases. You have to take medication. And often we here's what he and I talked about. We're often seeing that people need uh, what's called ablation, which is they go in with a wire through the leg and feed it up to the heart, map out where the electrical discharge is coming from and burn that area of the heart. And that is something really unusual in young people. I'm used to doing that kind of thing in, in older folk. But that has been up lately in young people. He confirmed that. He confirmed a theory that, again, has not been substantiated yet, but he is seeing evidence and apparently has some papers coming that show there seems to be some accelerated coronary disease. His own father died of it. I'm worried that Megan Kelly's sister died of it. You know, her sister in her early 50s had a heart attack suddenly yesterday. So we're worrying that we're seeing some sort of accelerated coronary disease caused by something related to the spike protein. So there, and of course, he also confirmed the myocarditis incidence, which we talked about, if you listen to Thursday's podcast, you can get it at drdrew.com. We talked about the fact that myocarditis before vaccine therapy was essentially always viral myocarditis. I mean, there's other causes, but what we would see was viral. And it was a dire emergency, and it was highly likely to be associated with needing a cardiac transplant, complete destruction of the cardiac muscle. Now, we are not seeing that with the vaccine, but there's fear that we will see it down the road, or we will see some sort of intrinsic vascular pathology as well. So there's still lots of questions. And the the thing that is, you know, every time I interview one of these really high-quality physicians, we he or she and I always end up in the same places. Why is there not more data being collected as fast as possible? Why is that not an, an urgent situation? And you'll see Dr. Campbell, who has uh, interviewed Dr. Malhotra today, uh, is and yesterday he's, his, uh, he was interviewing one of the MPs, and it's the same question. Why is there not better research? Why isn't it being pursued? What is going on here? And if you listen to some of the people that I've been talking to, They would say that there's too cozy a relationship with big pharma, and big pharma doesn't want to. I don't know if that's true or not. There is definitely, I've come to understand, too cozy a relationship with big pharma, that's for sure. Uh, But exactly why they're not doing proper research that is just usual standard, would be standard fare in a normal day. In fact, I saw something fascinating today. I saw a headline that said, because there was some new IVM data out that shows it doesn't work, and I'm not surprised by that. Again, Kelly differs from me on this. I just don't think it does very much, and uh, and it was oh, there's Dr. Malhotra there with Dr. John with uh, Dr. Campbell, John Campbell, and this headline read, uh, "Conservative favored medication or something like that, or conservative touted medication." I was deeply insulted that when is a medication political why does a medication have a left or a right anything to it in what world is there a medicine that is left-leaning or right-leaning that stay out of my profession stay the hell out of my profession that that is ridiculous to imply that we're using medication because of some political perspective that is disgusting oh my god uh so anyway that that's the that shows you the press bias they were biased against doctors doing things that's for sure so let's bring up uh i'm not sure markham let's see if we can get the pronunciation correct um bring you guys and you're not muted at this point you seem to be ready to talk let's see what your question is what's going on
4: hey hey, hey dr drew thanks for uh taking the call you i bet. have uh, enjoyed listening to you for the years uh, of my life even in high school and you and adam were back on. But uh, wanted to say, um, you know, thank you for doing this. Thank you for putting a spotlight on this topic and asking logical questions. You know, there's not a lot of people like you out there that are just voicing what a lot of us are hoping more do. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to just say regarding, um, you know, if this is real and some of these concerns you have, uh, what are the risks of it shedding or any sort of like transmitting? If you choose to not be vaccinated, but you're around someone who was, say, boosted recently, you know, skin contact, saliva, anything you can give me on uh, that topic?
0: No, I don't understand. I've heard people ask this question. I don't understand how a spike protein can be transmitted. It's not a virus. It's a protein. And you need the virus to get inside the cells, and the protein just sits there. Uh, So I can't imagine. It's, It's not like a live virus vaccine like a whole virus that's been attenuated there are certain vaccines that have that quality and you don't want to be around immunocompromised people when you're shedding virus but now the, could, m- the mRNA, you mRNA? Va-
4: there you go sorry but
0: yeah the mRNA vaccines i i don't know, it has to be shot unless i, I mean I can't even imagine a situation where it gets in cuz that's why it has to be taken in a, in the form of a hypodermic syringe you have to put it deep in the muscle for it to uh, be transmitted so yeah, I, I
4: guess I've heard some of the issues were like it, you know, getting out of the muscle and into the blood, and that's yes, it does. Things. And yeah, it does. And so, yeah, I just I'm hearing a lot of this, and it's a concern of some people I know. And so, yeah, I just wanted to bring it up just to say, you know, hey, I don't know if it's real or not. No, and, uh, I appreciate I, you, no, uh, no, your feedback on that.
0: Uh, you you yeah. would, you could see how we'd have lots of transmission because there's lots of vaccinated people, and there's no transmission of anything. Uh, and there are whole virus uh, vaccines out there, like Covaxin. I would like to take Covaxin if I were to take a vaccine. And that even that one, you don't shed virus. It, the mRNA again, the mRNA virus is highly lipophilic. It 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 stays in the cells. It doesn't get out, and there's no way to get out. It's I mean, if you took your blood and injected it into another person or transfused it, well, then maybe. But there's no no routine way that could be transmitted that I can that I can see. Uh, Tim, what's going on? Anybody else have questions? Just come up and raise your hand. And somebody we'll said, "Did
2: you there. see all that Biden said today to get COVID vaccine to protect others?"
0: Oh, jeez. Well,
2: it doesn't work like it
0: that. It doesn't work like that. Susan, Susan has been uh, taking notes on all the things she has learned here since we uh, started doing no, this.
2: No, it's just I was just thinking on the way to when I, where I went today. I was like, you know, if we get on the if we get on our trip and they say, you know, are you vaccinated and why didn't you get the other booster? I'm gonna say, because it doesn't protect other people. It's right. You know, it's it not, not even-
0: And it doesn't, and as you see, Dr. Walensky- It doesn't help you,
2: why doc, do you care?
0: Dr. Walensky got it and then got COVID three weeks later. And so it doesn't prevent you from getting infected. It doesn't prevent you from infecting other people. It just doesn't. And so I, it, it, I believe in elderly people, it does prevent more serious complications. I really do believe that. I think that fits my clinical experience. It fits the, It fits the data. And the question isn't, does it help? The question is, is the risk reward worth it? That is the question. Is the risk you're taking worth the reward you get? And if you're 32 or 25, I'm not sure. Because there's almost no risk to the illness. There's some risk to the vaccine. Maybe that's not a diathesis you want to do. You've talked to your doctor about that. Don't worry about grandma. No, grandma's going to get it either way. And let's make sure she has Paxlovid on, on hand and that she's been properly boosted up.
2: Yeah. But I mean, we've all been boosted, so we should not all die of it. You know, it's, it's less of a chance.
0: Well, there are immune evading viruses coming our way. And so there may not be some, any real significant use of the vaccine. But again, we do have therapeutics. And the, the really well, the scarier thing is we do Mostly don't. for older people, though.
2: The Paxlovid, right?
0: No, what I'm saying is if these immune evading viruses really take hold, we will be using Paxlovid in younger people because it's also evading the currently available monoclonal antibodies. And that is kind of concerning because we like to have a few things on hand to help people, but the monoclonal antibodies will catch up with that. I guarantee it. They will show up. Uh, Tim, you know, maybe mute yourself there and uh, go ahead and ask your question.
5: Tim. Hi, thanks for having me on. Uh, calling from Australia here. Yeah, um, uh, was a part of the two hundred and sixty-three day lockdown in Victoria, and uh, yeah, I'm kind of just curious in looking further into the how governments uh, shifted their focus from originally. Obviously, we're all concerned about you know what was going to happen. We didn't know what this thing was. But The fear campaign that seemed to be just propagated and right. pushed and encouraged. Right. How much were they fearful in the process? Because we talk about this idea of okay, were they stupid, incompetent? Were they money driven? How much of it was fear driven for them just as much?
0: I think a lot of them um, were, I, I agree. I think a lot of them were, were, had bad judgment and therefore, and, and were risk aversive and as we talked with Nicole, and had never seen death and dying, and had never seen real medical illness, and so didn't have a, a frame of reference to make a judgment on how serious or not it was. And yeah, I do believe there were people that were very scared, and they were, were making their decisions not from objective data like you're supposed to, they're making it out of fear, yeah, I think so.
5: But it's lasted for so long though, like it's still I continuing.
0: I know, it's it's. what I don't understand, the really hard part for me is people that cling to the notion that lockdowns worked I, 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 or that masking we, we worked
5: had, we that? had curfews we had five kilometer or three mile you know yeah i know areas that we could travel like it was the level of crazy went off the charts yeah. where we were
0: yeah and, um, and in the virus the virus respiratory viruses can't be controlled that way we know that and so they they only made the attempt because they were convinced by as far as i can tell their chinese companions, their Chinese um, colleagues who were totally and still are completely convinced that that's an effective way. And what I'm hearing on the DL out of China is that the distribution of the virus is far more vast than anyone's willing to admit. It's, it's just doing what it does. The virus does what it does. Yeah. You can maybe kind of slow it a little bit. And so at the beginning, I was sympathetic. I was like, okay, we, you know, we gotta do something and you wanna slow it down and okay, we'll get to a vaccine and okay. And then it just kept going and going and going, and it it was so clear that there was not good evidence, there was no evidence for it, and that people were making things up out of whole cloth, that nothing like this had ever been contemplated in human history, and that it would have dire harms. And I mean, the harms were so obvious from the beginning, and like Nicole said, one death is too many was a a weird philosophy that some of these people (laughs) developed, and was just unrealistic it 's a pandemic The pandemic is defined by excess death, so there are going to be deaths, and we just want to try to mitigate reduce you know do everything we can that we know works, which is protecting risk populations, quarantining sick people, do the things that don't cause excess harm and excess death on the other side but you know I've talked to people that were inside various white Houses, and the the hubris, uh, the the uh, fury with which this was being pursued and could not be assailed to stop, to think about, to consider other options, and the destruction that was aimed at anyone who dared to raise their hand and ask for something different, that's the thats the craziness part of this. That's where the really, whoo, that's where it was. You would have well, been fired immediately. Yeah, <laughs> I would have been fired at the White House, that's true. <laughs> What's that? Tim?
5: That's just not science. Not being able to question things.
0: No, and the crazy. That, still we're having trouble with it. That's why I take it on this yeah. pod, this stream and to try to just put interesting people in who have been silenced because I want to hear what everybody's got to say. I want to draw. Well, them we got conclusion.
2: silenced by YouTube a few hundred times, so yeah. we know how it feels. It sucks. Yeah. But uh, you know, I
5: also query in regards to so kind of a bit of a follow on from last week Mm. um, where there was a lot of talk about just feeling so depressed and dissociated and down and all that sort of stuff. Yes, My my father, who's a psychologist or was um, several years back, talked to me about how there's, in all relationships, there's often this kind of concept of a parent child relate component to it.
0: Yeah,
5: And I, dare say that there's the same thing that's gone on with governments and, and the citizens in regards to the relationships being damaged. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, wh- wh- whether it's a, a partner that's cheated on you or a parent that's abused you or whatever, mm-hmm. that there's a relationship there of somebody who controls you, who you look for to support you and care for you, but they've not really, you know, for a lot of people, they feel like they've been Damaged by that in that relationship
0: right and and what you're talking about is trust and and i'm hearing that constantly from young people is that they don't know who to trust now and they don't know what's the use what's the purpose why bother because the things that are meaning making don't seem so meaningful right now and that's where this weird feeling of anhedonia and helplessness is is sort of coming from and i'm very 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 concerned about it so uh, thank you, uh, Tim, I appreciate the, the comments. I I don't remember if I mentioned it on this show, but Susan and I were watching uh, a documentary about Gilda Radner from about three or four years ago, and they panned onto this audience in a theater. I actually saw Gilda Radner's one-woman show in 1978, and I remember it, and I remember being there, and, I, and they panned this audience, and I normally have tremendous disdain. I, I hate the 1970s. I feel like it was the most depressing, awful, Every, there was crime and there was racism and there was um, horrible this car design and horrible architecture and and we destroyed great things like Penn Station. I mean, they're just stupid, horrible decade. But they panned across the audience and what did I say, Susan? What what, what was my reaction looking at that? Oh my God, audience? that's me. No, no, no. Other than that, I, what was I saying about the people I saw there? And I had a, I had a reaction. I had a really emotional reaction. Yeah, it really yeah. bothered me. You remember what I said? No. Oh.
2: I was up. Looking closely to see if I could see you in the I crowd. know.
0: What I said was, you'll remember this. I said, "Look, they seem they're vital. They're they're oh, that's they're true. dressed like shit, and the hair looks like shit, but they're they're into it. Yeah, but and the, they're going to go to Studio Fifty Four tonight, and they're on dates, and they're out, and they're seeing Gilda Radner. No, you said that stuff. when
2: the Studio Fifty Four scene yeah, came on. Yeah, I said the, the
0: vitality. Well, that's when it came out of my mouth. You're right. The vitality does not exist. They've taken our vitality." And made people flat, and that is a dangerous place for humanity to sit. I'm I'm really bothered by it. And particularly young people are are deeply affected by this. I, I don't know what else to call it, but anhedonia. So uh, bring Catherine up here. I, I'm really really bothered by this. It's not fair to do that to an entire generation. It's it's sort of disgusting to me that we've done that. So uh, Catherine, wow. what's going on? You unmute your speaker, your microphone, and, okay. and there you are. What's up?
6: Yeah. Hi doc, thanks for taking my Mm -hmm. question. I'm so confused. If the spike protein from the virus is so toxic to Mm -hmm. the elderly, and Mm -hmm. we know that the vaccine instructs your cells to make spike protein, Mm -hmm. why are repeated doses at such short intervals not be more problematic? Yeah,
0: that is a great example of how medicine is not, doesn't always follow intuition or logic. That's why we have to test everything. It is just simply the case that the complications from the vaccine are significant, seem to be significantly less, less in older people, and very at that very least, if there are any, the risk of the illness is so much more significantly powerful in those populations that these side effects that we are seeing are well worth the risk. And I don't, and I think it has a function of not just the spike protein being somehow directly toxic, it's the spike protein activation of the immune system. And as you age, your immune system is less robust. It's less active. And I've I've been sort of thinking to myself that something like that is what's going on here. So the myocarditis is maybe a secondary phenomenon, not the spike protein itself, but the immune activation caused by the spike protein. Does that make sense?
6: It does. I just, I'm still so confused. I don't know if you listened to Ryan Cole, the pathologist's latest interview, who was saying it's the vaccine that it suppresses your immune system. I mean, there's so many theories out now. Stephanie right. Senna, I found her very compelling, by the way.
0: Yeah. So, um, so I too, I'm concerned that there's something like that going on. We, first of all, we have to establish that there really is excess death. So far, the excess deaths are all built on models, and you know how shitty models can be. So we have to establish there are excess deaths, then we have to establish exactly what are the illnesses that are causing that. And then I worry, I worry about two things. I worry about what you're worrying about. I worry that there is some immune alteration and that we're seeing cancers, but that should be more in the older population, like you say, that should be as you get older, that's where the genetic errors associated with cancer are more likely to occur. And so why aren't we seeing that? And could it be accelerated heart disease? Well, yeah, Megan Kelly's sister died yesterday. I'm really worried that that's going to be a significant problem. But it, it, the, the biggest mystery of all, Catherine, is why we're not rushing to look at this, why this yeah. isn't a, a national priority. Forget, well, you know, Jake Tapper wants us to talk about the consequences of school closure, which is obvious. It was obvious from the beginning. Uh, there's no conversation needs to be had, but this is something that really needs to be answered as soon as possible.
6: Yeah. yeah. And just real quick, I found Edward Dowd's research now on Mm. the insurance actuaries. Very interesting to listen
0: to. Did you hear, is that the interview I did with him you're talking about? I'm sorry. Did you see the interview I did with him?
6: No. Oh, you have an interview with him? Yeah, yeah we had around. almost a
0: million views. Yeah, a million views. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. he really yeah, got yeah, the, the ball up. rolling. Yeah, just look around at drdrew.com. You'll, is, okay. Is, is it, uh, Caleb, yeah, is you it, can find it on she, YouTube we'll show or, it, yeah. Caleb put it up here so she can see it. Uh, Great. So I'm finding it right now. It you, if, right if you right yeah, actually we had just, a really
2: good conversation.
3: If they just go, if she just goes to youtube.com slash drdrew, it's the featured video right now. She can go and see it. And you can just also see these at drdrew.com.
2: Does that go to Great. YouTube, Caleb? When you click on it,
3: i I I have links on there. It'll show you. Yeah.
0: So again, thank l- you. Look, but look at every. There's a lot of noise, Catherine. A lot of noise. I don't know what to do with all this yet. I I'm not. I'm all I've been able to do through talking to everybody is piece together the craziness that was happening, and the concerted effort to silence anybody who raised their hand and had a question, which was to me the the really the evil part of all this. That that that's the craziness of this. What exactly we're doing, what exactly has happened, I you know, I I've I've clarity over 75, I have some some understanding over age 65. I understand using packs of it over age 65 when you get in the younger populations. I know what to do with monoclonal antibodies. I know what to do with steroids. I know that there are certain things we can maybe get some benefit from, but the Omicron hasn't really needed very much, really, although I've seen some nasty Omicron. Um, so I'm not quite sure what we're doing. We it, it has yet to be sorted out. Well, what are we doing with younger people? And then what is the burden? Is there any burden of indiscriminate vaccine therapy above age 12? And I will say it again here, I've said a million times, which is, Vaccine therapies are usually targeted. They are Shingrix, shingles vaccine for people over the age of 60. It's pneumonia vaccine for people over the age of 60. I don't give those to 12-year-olds. It's yellow fever vaccine for people traveling to endemic areas. I don't give it to my kids who are sitting in Pasadena. It doesn't make any sense to me that this is the one and only vaccine that is completely indiscriminately distributed, even though the primary illness is in the adult. Here's the Dowd interview there. You can see him right now with uh, Dr. Kelly Victory. Also, he's the, obviously the gentleman, other gentleman on the screen here with us. Interesting guy, smart guy. And
2: uh, he's not a medical professional, not, but he has a lot
0: of data. A lot of data. is a data guy. And uh, I don't know. It's interesting. You see what he has to say? See what you think of it? Uh, I don't, I don't okay. yet. Okay, Catherine. Thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, let's keep going. Here. Here's lots of questions uh, flying around here. Uh here we go. Trying to get uh Betsy up here. Okay, Betsy, what's going on? Hi. Hey there.
7: Um okay, so my question is like kind of health related but not really. Okay. Um So I like need to get 8 to 9 hours of sleep a night. Mm-hmm. And if I don't, I basically just won't get out of bed. Like I work from home, mm-hmm. so it's kind of okay if I do that um which is probably contributing to the problem but like i got five hours of sleep last night and i know that a normal adult is able to like get up and do the day but i literally just stayed in bed all day and just like couldn't do anything
0: and and why five hours what happened
7: um i was up printing last night i'm like a photographer so sometimes i'm up late but not often maybe only like once a month
0: and why you just couldn't sleep past daylight or something or
7: Oh, I
0: had to call at 9 o'clock. Ah, okay, got it. <laughs> okay, so, so it's not like your mood's off and you're having early awakening, can't go back to sleep, that kind of thing.
7: Physically shut down if I don't get a okay. certain amount of sleep. Is that normal or am I a normal person or am I Well, it, de- it
0: depends what you need by normal. I mean, I, you know, I, that's kind of word that I try to avoid as much as I can. But let, let's just ask some questions. H- have you had this your whole life? Yes. Do you know if you're getting effective sleep? In other words, do we know, are you dreaming normally? Are you thrashing about? Do you wake up and the bed is completely torn apart? Do you sleepwalks or anything about your sleep? Yeah.
7: <laughs> no, I sleep like a rock. Like Come nothing on. nothing can convince me to not sleep.
0: <laughs> and you have deep sleep. It's, it is comical. And, and so, and how about dreaming? Do you have dreaming?
7: Yeah, I have like really like vivid dreams that are not like scary or anything.
0: Okay. And you're not getting up and walking or anything of that sort
7: no couldn't convince me to do that do
0: you have any do you have any medical problems
7: no none medication none
0: i i you you could get a sleep evaluation just to make sure your sleep cycling is normal but i don't know what you would do about it even if you're having excess deep sleep because this seems to be just you you've always been this way and so to, to that, it, you may not be normal in the sense of the bell curve distribution of sleep experiences, but it sounds normal for you.
7: So I'm just being a brat, is what you're saying. No, no, <laughs> that's not what bed. I'm saying. That is, <laughs> that is
0: categorically not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you may be, look, there are people that only need four hours of sleep a night. And, and even though you know, you know, the medical system announces everybody needs eight hours of sleep tonight to clear out those neurofibrillatory tangles and you're gonna get dementia if you don't get adequate sleep. There are people that sleep four hours a night their entire life, and they're fine, and they live long lives without dementia. You're the other end of that spectrum. It's a spectrum, right? It's a, it's a, it's a bell curve. Most people are in that seven, eight-hour zone. You're in the nine, 10-hour zone. Other people are in a four-hour zone, and that's okay. It's just, it's inconvenient, but it's, it's you.
7: Yeah, it definitely is inconvenient.
0: <laughs> do, you, do you exercise?
7: Yeah, like a normal amount. I'm not like, I don't go to the gym but yeah. i like
0: walk every day i mean that's the only thing i you, you could get one of these watch you know, these devices that monitor your sleep you can sort of see what your sleep hygiene is like you could exercise more or change the qualities of exercise might help you a little bit but this is really just around the margin it's just around the margin you're you're still going to be an 8 or 9 hour night sleeper so so what? so what so what so fine so good right
7: this is just how god made me
0: it's how god made you that's right <laughs> you're a perfect entity and god made you okay. that way okay
7: all right. All
0: right. Bye right. you. To me. Bye-bye. I I bye Susan, you're a little bit, you're kind of, no, you're not, not so much these days, though. What? You used to be more that way. Like what? A, an eight-hour sleeper.
2: Yeah, but I, I think I had menopause for a really long time. I wouldn't sleep, and I just felt like dog do the next day.
0: Right, right, right.
2: Because when you sweat all night, and then you don't, you wake up 15 times, and then you have to wake up and drive kids to school and go to the ice rink and go, you know,
0: yeah, a mom, it's, it's a lot of work. Felt so, like dog do. Uh, Winston, what's going on there? Hey, what's happening, Dr. Drew? Hey, man. Just wanted
2: to
8: uh, ask a question about the conversation you were having earlier about mm. the uh, the clots. Yes. And, um, you, you know, and, and the whole thing kind of got me wondering, you know, we talk about how much kind of flack is out there right now. And it's, mm. it's been really kind of curious to me to see what they allow through and what is instantly censored and shut down. Yes for disinformation. It is weird,
0: isn't it? Yeah. It's kind
8: of like that, uh, you know, the Hitchens razor, like what can be, you know, proposed without evidence can be dismantled without it. But when I see the treatments that seem to be showing some real promise, getting, you know, absolutely shut down the I word and so on and so forth versus a lot of these kind of wild claims that are are flying around. And I I just wanted to get, I don't know, strap on your tinfoil for me. And, uh, what would be your guess as to why they're allowing some of the wild claims versus not?
0: Caleb, you've talked to them. Do you want to address this?
3: Uh, you're talking about, are you talking about YouTube specifically?
2: Censorship. Yeah. Well, we have rumble Rumble now, so I want to just give a shout out to them. But Let's see what Winston's talking about.
0: Is it the YouTube Censorship.
8: Well, it's kind of censorship as a whole. I look at how, you know, Twitter, YouTube, the big kind of tech oligarchy. Each is oligarchy. different. Each is different. Know, so on, honestly, YouTube, but they were we, all uniform on.
0: They are all uh, uniform on IVM and HCQ. They're exactly. all uniform on that. Yeah, and, and Caleb has some insight into that. So go ahead.
3: Honestly, I think that that some platforms they allow the like super extreme crazy stuff so that they can point to those things and say, "Hey, this is what we're trying to get off of our yeah. platform." As opposed, and, and they but then they get to sweep in like fifty other degrees of things in whenever they get rid of those. It's like if they, it's when you label someone yep. a conspiracy theorist, it's the same thing. It's like, well, if you just toss out the word <sighs> conspiracy theorist on someone. Well, then a good portion of people will be like, oh, okay, you should just just ban them. They're just conspiracy theorists without ever looking into it. So I think it's a tactic there. I also think that some of the changes recently are because more evidence is coming out about this stuff and it's hard for them to deny it. And they might be afraid that they're going to start getting sued for like what Uh. was happening, I believe, in New York where... Just today, there was news about I think it was a bunch of firefighters that had to at least a part of their lawsuit to get their jobs back because they didn't want to get vaccinated, and it was their choice. And their back pay, exactly. And back pay,
0: pay. exactly. So So that's going to start happening. Big deal. Yeah, it is happening. And Pam uh,
2: Popper's doing that. That's yes, everybody should. We
0: talked to Pam Popper. All the lawyers should do that. Who, who's doing a lot of these same kinds of cases? Which it isn't it is, anti-vaccine.
3: Um, it's just pro-choice. It's it's anti-mandate. That's all it is. Let right. people choose. Hundred percent. Right. It's right. like the
8: the Alex Jones syndrome. You know, like you, you kind of let him go, and then you ban him because any rational person would be like, "Well, yeah, I mean the Sandy Hook thing. Absolutely ban him. I'm okay with that one." And then that kind of opens the door for. Well, we did it once, the precedent's been set, and I, I kind of get that, that vibe with, um, I, I don't know, using them as an example of why we're trying to censor things. You know, the, the nanobots and the blood pots and all that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just so extreme and so far out there. Yeah,
0: I, I worry I worry about all extremes right now. I, I really do. Have you seen that Johns Hopkins paper that was sort of a war game on a pandemic, like in 2000? oh, the Spars pandemic? Yeah. Oh, have
8: absolutely. You, have you read that thing line for line? And you know, here's what's really fun: you get that and then just do a, a keyword search on it. You know, and, and type in vaccine injury and X, Y, and Z, and, and then you look at the timelines that they have on it. And here's the <laughs> this well, this is gonna flip. flip you got to hear this part. It, yeah. In the pandemic exercise, the sitting president. Steps down halfway through their term due to cognitive difficulties. <laughs> oh you, you can't make this stuff up. Like oh it's it seriously oh ruined god. fiction for me.
0: Oh my god! So what? What? Tell people what that is and what 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 the the arc was because it's almost exactly what had happened and is happening. I, I couldn't believe it when I read it. I was like, I it, it's
8: it's truly striking. So and again, I'll, I'll qualify this. Any you know the event two hundred one. Have you heard of that one?
0: No. Okay.
8: okay. Well, that one's even more, this one will be even more exciting, but they, they do these war games, these German war games. Right. And these are put on by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, John mm-hmm. Hopkins, as you would right. expect global right. health to do. Right. And they kind of game plan what would happen. Well, in this one, um, in Event 201 specifically, now this one was done October before COVID broke.
0: So October and one, 2019. Correct. Yeah.
8: And this one, they've got a video up, a website, you can watch it. And it's how global business can work together and facilitate things. And this one was, wouldn't you know it, a new novel coronavirus that breaks out across the world. Yeah, And I mean, it's just been line for line. And with the, uh, the Spars pandemic, it's been even kind of creeper. But in that one, they go into real good detail about how they can stop misinformation, right. how they can cause in the pandemic, they get a vaccine and, oh, well, you know, the, uh, the black community is not uptake with vaccine is bad because people are talking about Tuskegee, so we can reach out to hip hop people and have them push vaccines in their community. And then there's even a, uh, I think the the character's name in the in the story was Epi Girl, who was like an online blogger and was compiling reports of vaccine injuries and how they were trying to censor her. And it's wild.
0: Well, it, when I read it, it was so close to what was actually happening. It, it it forget the fact that it was weirdly clairvoyant it seemed to be their playbook like it's all there 100 percent. yeah that's what they're doing is all the things that they say they should do in that playbook and it includes censoring people and they go so far though as to say that there will be a huge backlash and a great consequence from all of it did you hey, see all find- that part
8: yeah, well the backlash happens too and they they break the vaccine injury court in this. And they they end up doing author authorizations they talk about EUA but they do authorizations for more payments and the um what what is it um some uh some cognitive something I I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the term that starts to happen uh, like mad cow disease basically whatever that would be. Yeah. The the vaccine was was causing that in children. Yes. And and that was the big backlash. And I mean, honestly, like when I see anything like that, I'm like, well, first thing I think, of course they would want a war game this yeah. because that's kind of what they do. Yeah. And then as things start lining up, I find it harder and harder to kind of steel man their point. Like, well, maybe they just knew it would be a coronavirus. Uh, maybe they knew this, would, you know, yeah. because it's yeah. so uncanny.
0: Well, but I think I think rather than reasoning from the place of, of uh, the, the story they set for themselves, think more in terms of their response and, and how much that their response in this story is exactly what they said it was gonna be. And that, well, that to and me the, is the part that's the smoking gun.
8: And the state doesn't really know anything other than that kind of response. They don't really know compassion, they know control. I, I kind right. of firmly, I, I'm cynical as it may be,
0: yeah, well,
8: and when you know one of your earlier callers was just talking about the lockdowns in Sydney and China yeah. and how it's still going on, like yeah. it's not about the virus, and like I, as much as I hate to say it, I don't think it ever was. It, I, it seems I, to be about control.
0: I I, I can't accept that. <laughs> you may be right. I'm prepared to say you're right, but I I can't accept that. Uh, I it's a very minimum though. People that don't mind exerting control of other people and seem to kind of like it. And there are well, people that don't like doing that. I've noticed that. Taking
3: advantage of a disaster. Yeah, did you see that?
0: What's that?
8: You never let a crisis go to waste. Yeah.
0: You know? What's but
8: that, Caleb? You,
3: it's, it's like taking, it's almost, it, I, I don't believe fully. I, it, look, it, it doesn't matter to me if it was a lab leak or if it was something that happened in nature. It, the fact of the matter is that a lot of people rushed in to get agendas pushed through that they've yeah. been looking for a, yes. a way to get this Pushed like they've been, and that's As like well. this is our chance. They're like, this is our chance to get people locked down. This is our chance to to get people wearing masks. This is our chance to like get equality with housing you you people.
0: Caleb, I think it is more that they practiced it, they prepared for, it, and thanks, Winston. I put you back in the audience. I got to keep going. From I like calls. that guy. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, I like um, but I think it's more that they they practice it, they prepared for it, and their moment came, and they went, yep, "Hey, exactly, we've been we've been modeling this, and this is how." How it's going to go and you got to listen to us because we've war gamed this a number of different ways and they can't think about it different I'm, I'm imagining military strategists change direction when things aren't working that's what i'm imagining yep. and these people couldn't do that and that's why they failed so miserably and that's their level of incompetence so anyway i've said enough uh, Whatever
2: be. happened with that whole Chinese thing that you saw in the news the other day? Charlie I didn't see Europe. anything advertised.
0: Which what thing?
2: I didn't see anything in the news. What thing are you talking about? You said they found some. Um, they found some people. That, it came out in the news, and you said what? something happened where they found some Chinese people that were doing no good. And oh
0: yeah, the, the Merrick Garland. You just look up Merrick Garland, uh, DOJ, uh, espionage. I mean, uh, I case. haven't really been looking it, at I, it. was such a big deal, and yet I was, didn't make big headlines. I was surprised. Yeah,
2: I don't see it. I didn't see it But tonight. You can watch
0: the whole press conference. It'll blow your mind. Um, Charlie, you're up. Uh, unmute yourself. But that just
2: now. shows you that the, the media is being run by something that's Maybe. protecting us against that. You know, they Maybe. don't
0: want us to I don't know. know. I don't know. But Charlie, what's up?
9: Hi, Dr. Drew and panel. I appreciate you giving me an opportunity to speak. What's going on? Um, you touched on something earlier. I've been listening to you here on these spaces for a few weeks, but you touched on something tonight, which I'm actually dealing with, mm. something that you said you've seen. Um after my second vaccine, this was early twenty-one, I went into what they were calling at the time SVT. Yep. My heart rate was two forty. Yep. I had to have two injections of adenosine yep. uh to get my heart rate down. Since then, um after that, I had to have an ablation, as you spoke on. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I'm still having bouts of intermittent AV nodal tachycardia, which was the ultimate diagnosis for my electrophysiologist. Okay,
0: so, so probably high AV node. So, so high AV node is hard to ablate. It's very hard to ablate.
9: Yeah, they had to take a little time. He, he said that he yeah. had to take a little, and I'm a layman. I mean, my wife's yeah. an RN, but I have no medical knowledge. Yeah. Um, but he did say it took a little time to kind of isolate it and pinpoint it, but mm-hmm. he felt that it was successful. Good. Um, I haven't had anything quite up to that level of 240 since then. Okay. However, I've had a couple of times where it's hit like 150, 160 without okay. me doing anything physical. Okay. Um, I am taking metoprolol sushinate twice a day, a very
0: Meto- small dose. M- metoprolol? Yes. People tend to not like that medicine, so watch for side effects.
9: Okay, I haven't had any. Good, no, I've, I've been Good. taking it for months. Good. And again, it is a small dose, just like 25 total per day. Okay. Um, but I haven't seemed to have any problem other than I'm just having a hard time sleeping, but I think that that's maybe anxiety around what all's been going on. So, So
0: I'm sure they also told you that given what you're describing – it it's 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 not particularly dangerous. In other words, you don't want to ignore it, but it's highly manageable and not likely to break down into more serious stuff. When you were at 240, that's no bueno. <laughs> that, that is no right. bueno. That is a whole All different right. story. But anything, 130 to 160, you're sort of in a more safe zone. Okay. Un- uncomfortable and maybe a real pain in the ass in terms of exercising and that kind of thing. But when you're on the beta blocker, you should be in control of that. Did they try Cardizem with you at all, you know?
9: They haven't. And that that's really part of my ultimate question. Number one, it's been very hard to get anyone, mm. even my primary care doctor, mm. to sort of acknowledge that it could be related to the vaccine. Nobody um, will. Nobody will. Yeah, the kicker here is that I had a full heart workup because I have a left bundle branch block. Uh-huh. Um, I actually had gone for a colonoscopy and they found that mm-hmm. on the monitor. So they sent me for kind of a full workup just to check. Mm-hmm. And I got seriously, I'm in my mid forties, but I got a super clean bill of health yeah. for my cardiac workup. Sure. I mean, they were very pleased with it. And then yeah. this happens less than a year later, well, but they haven't really, I, I can't get them to tell me that where I'm at is okay. You know, you mentioned that just now about
0: it's, it's okay. It's not, it's okay, but it's better. It's okay. But I wouldn't be happy with this. I'd want better. Well,
9: and, and I'm not, and what I'm running into doctor is that, you know, I'll just be say sitting up watching a show with my wife yeah. or I'll be driving and my heart rate's at like 105, 110 and yeah. I'm not doing
0: anything. Yeah, yeah.
9: Um, I don't, Feel like the metoprolol is doing anything negative from a side did, effect did standpoint.
0: They, oh, man. Did they talk about any definitive treatments?
9: They have not. And I have a, I just had an echocardiogram because okay. I've gone so, back to them and been unfortunately, like, unfortunately,
0: definitive care. Oh, <laughs> <oy vey>. so <laughs> you should be able to find a medicine that works. That's the bottom line. And I would keep okay. going until I find something that works for me and makes me happy and is not bothering me with symptomatology. Um, when they stressed your heart, when they looked at your heart when they were doing the evaluation, they were looking for intrinsic disease of the vessels. And your heart vessels were normal, but the muscle got something from the vaccine, we think. Please listen to Dr. Mulhatra. I interview him. It, it drops on Thursday. If you okay. listen, watch the Dr. Drew podcast, listen to that on Thursday. He and I talk in detail about this phenomenon. I would ask your cardiologist, hey, are you see, seeing more young males with this problem? Are you seeing more than you used to see? Just ask him. Uh, don't don't say is it the vaccine. Just go. Hey, have you noticed you're seeing a little more young males with this thing? And yeah,
9: I've I've been there. They they don't they're good men, but they just they, they won't even answer that. They don't want to touch it. Wow. They don't want to
0: touch wow. It. Isn't that crazy? And,
9: yeah. And, so and I guess crazy. What I
0: only, Jesus. What
9: I can't get them to tell me is that. And I have you know my wife again. She's a very experienced And She mm. said, Hey, your heart rate's dynamic. Mm-hmm. And while, like you just said, you know, the hundreds and the 90s may not be ideal, it's not necessarily dangerous. Correct,
0: correct. And and you you can always take an extra metoprolol, too, you know, and see if it, you know, again, as long as you're not having side effects, who cares, right? Oh, there it is. Is it up up now? Yes,
3: it looks like it actually went up today, so they can find it at drdrew.com Oh,
0: you can listen to it right now. Well, there it is. Okay, it was Dr. Mohatra.
3: Uh,
9: yeah, dr. it's it's
0: if you look at the screen at all, he's, he's putting maybe you can put a link to it, Caleb, on the on the yes, show stuff. If they
3: actually if they just go to dr slash ten twenty five twenty twenty two, it's one zero. This interview will will blow, you get to
0: blow it your mind. This was well, one of the more substantial interviews that that I've done. I may bring him over here to, to talk to Kelly too. Go ahead, why I just
9: wanna say I know you've got other people that you want that you need to talk to, but I just wanna say you have been the first medical professional that i've had acknowledge that this is regardless of the cause that this is a thing maybe and seems it, to be maybe seems yeah, to be.
0: i mean just, it was just, already a thing it existed obviously i knew a bit about it but right. but i'm used to seeing it in older people and suddenly seeing it a ton in 30 year olds little little weird and always yeah, and, the, with me, and it's a lot it's a lot of the same damn thing too charlie it's a lot of you know, I, I, it happens to several friends of mine, and I just go, they go, Oh, I've got a super ventricular attack card. They go, Oh, did you learn to bear down? Did you learn the diver's reflex? Yeah, you know, All stuff. <laughs> you do the carotid sinus massage. And then, and then they'll always tell me the same thing, because I, I assume they're talking about a heart rate of 150 to 170. And they go, No, I was 240. They were all 240, uh. much like you. And that's where I go, Holy shit, that's weird. That, yeah. is, that is unusual. And that's dangerous. The, the SVT normally is not really very dangerous in young people. With, with normal heart muscles. So that's where it caught my attention. So here we are, right? So something's up, something's going on. It just seems like it, I, I, I don't well,
9: know. Well, I, I mean, is there a question that I should be, I, I do see my electrocardiologist on Thursday. Is there something I should be asking them? They did another echo, which I'm sure is gonna show normal. Yeah. But is there something that I should be asking them for? Is there something that I should ask them to yes. to maybe pursue?
0: Well. That you, you you really want to be more comfortable. You, you want to be okay. able to exercise normally, right? And, and what's that going to take? You know, what are we going to have to do here? As you look, as you look, what's your what is your treatment plan for me? What is your stepwise approach to my treatment to get me to where I can exercise normally and feel normal? I don't feel normal now, okay? And right. and you can even ask things like, what are definitive interventions? And you're going to hear weird shit like, you know, blading your AV node and putting you on a pacemaker and things like that. But I, I, that's way off. I would not go for that stuff
9: obviously i want to do the most minimal thing yeah. but but you touched on it i mean this has affected like the way i look at exercise and doing the things i used to not do and it's simply because it's i don't feel like i'm in control of it and it's it's not good
0: know, it's, it's not good and, and uh, it, you shouldn't have to live with that there should be a way to get things uh and, and again the other thing is i've also noticed that it hasn't been going the ablations haven't been definitive a lot of people have been struggling with symptoms after the ablation so here we are with you too so okay all right well,
9: i'll definitely listen to that i appreciate right. the time and yeah. uh we'll keep listening to you going forward okay. i appreciate Good you taking right. this on you bet let us you. know how it
0: goes it's uh we'll do very frustrating Ooh, we uh let's get joe up here hm, that is rough man i'll tell you what joe you unmute yourself and we'll see what's going on
10: yes yeah, so let's call or i was wanting to ask about the use of NAC. Mm-hmm. to reverse the damage of the spike protein um, that both the spike protein from the vaccine and the virus
0: okay i i'm i i'm an inastyl cysteine you're talking about n cysteine right yes i I'm a fan I use it I take it every day uh, i I just don't know you know if it has pharmacological effect if you can really use it for disease states i don't I don't know I don't know joe what do you what are you hearing
10: well i I was looking online and I saw something on FDA website from August 1st of this year. It says FDA releases final guidance on enforcement discretion for certain NAC products, hmm. which it sounds like they're trying to tell people, you know, you can't take this. Um, but it's, I guess, certain NAC products, but does it NAC have any, like if I have, if I'm on other medications, is that something I should be concerned about if I want to take it?
0: Yes, always uh, talk to your doctor. It's always the case that oh, get, change that f- uh, f- nine-volt battery on your uh, smoke detector there. Uh, <laughs> and it's always the case that supplements need to be carefully discussed with your your physician. Always don't don't just take stuff willy-nilly. I have seen catastrophes from people taking herbs and taking things without. Not you know, understanding that or maybe you're you pharmacist too. Pharmacist doc to pharmacist is a good person to talk to. You're you're laughing at the nine volt battery.
2: Yeah, I can hear it too. Sounds like a bird tweeting.
0: This is tell me no lies. Did you know that's what it was before I yes, got your attention? I hear, good. I so, so you've it. you've come around and all this stuff. Yeah, it drives um, me crazy too. Hi there, what's going on?
11: Hey, Drew, Um, you'll probably recognize my voice. The reason I didn't put my real name is because I'm trying to get a job and I don't want them to uh, uh, be searching me out. Anyway, um, I'm having terrible withdrawal from Cymbalta. Oh,
0: yeah. I have
11: have almost every single significant symptom. I was titrated
0: down. How did you go down?
11: I went from... Uh, My doctor supervised Mm -hmm. Uh, my doctor. We, I think I started, Mm -hmm. I'm started with either 60, 60, then I went down to 40, then I went down to 20. How fast? Over a long time, over a few months.
0: A few months. Yeah. A couple.
11: Yeah. Three months, four months. Okay. And the last was 10 milligrams every other day for a week and then stop. That was pushing, I believe. I I, I still have symptoms as I'm talking to you. Mm -hmm. Um, The brain zaps are the worst,
0: right?
11: The nausea comes in second. And now I get these like, these chills. They're not they're like, shit i don't know how to say it they're yeah. like shivers that are yeah. that make you make your whole body vibrate
0: yeah
11: but you're not cold
0: right right right
11: and then and then the excessive sweating oh my god yeah um so it's been it's been definitely more than a week it could be 2 weeks it could i could be going into my third i've kind of lost track of time mm-hmm. because in the beginning i thought god i really feel like crap <laughs> But
0: could I have COVID again? Uh, And I did it. You tested, yeah. And it's
11: not, yeah. And I tested, of course, because I get enough pressure from everybody. We'll just do a test. Okay, I did a test. It was negative. We'll do another test. You could not show up for two to four days. And I'm thinking, you know what? You vaxxed people may not show up for two to four days, but I feel so crappy that if I have it, I have it. Of course, it was negative again. And then I remembered, and then I remembered, you know, there were times I was lazy and I would not take my medicine, like maybe on a Saturday mm-hmm. morning. I'd sleep late, screw around at, how, at the home, at, how, at the house, and really end up not taking my medication. Okay, fine. Yeah. By Sunday morning, the brain zaps were already starting. Of course. So I identified that when I went, oh, God, yeah. it's from the Cymbalta. Of course. What is Cymbalta? Yeah. Cymbalta it is, is a, an antidepressant yeah, anti-anxiety.
0: It's an SNRI, so to speak. It's a dual agent. Yeah. Uh, it's like Effexor, and these, these medicines have a withdrawal syndrome. I had an Effexor patient. That Effexor is even given in higher doses than Cymbalta, and I got her all the way down to 8.7 milligrams a day, and we could never go below that. Which is is like a, it's not even a homeopathic dose, but she elected just to stay on that. Well,
11: we were trying to move me from Cymbalta to Welbutrin because I have like no libido Mm -hmm. and I hate it. Right. And, and he hates it too, by the way. Right. So, you know, what do you, what do you do? Because the, now I feel like crap and it's you're totally a drug addict. It's like the only way to make you feel better is to take another dose. Right. And you know, I have some tens yeah. or twenties in the cabinet and it's everything I can do to resist it. Like, don't, uh. don't screw yourself up. You're already on the
2: road. You've come this far. Just, try to suck it up <laughs> so drew I, know. I when she was talking about the sweats and all that stuff mm-hmm. i was thinking does do these ssris also affect your your hormones at all like i remember the wellbutrin was supposed to help you yeah but this is all a classic. better libido this, but when she says she has no libido maybe her this hormones. is all
0: symbol to withdrawal it really is I, you don't need to add another you know, one one of the things in medicine is called Occam's razor. Remember I taught you that one thing explains things is if it explains things adequately, it's the one thing. You don't have to add well, multiple I, and, things.
11: And when I and when I said, Oh my God, I've got it. I know exactly why I'm sick. Yeah. And then, of course, people are going, my mom, of course, goes, no, that's not it. You're wrong. Take another test. <laughs> I said, oh there is. God. I am not taking another test. I am 100% spot on. This, I am feeling everything. I, I went to my school's 45th anniversary celebration on Sunday. It's outside in the city. I'm in short sleeves and jeans. And when I got home, I looked like I had gone through the sprinklers. I was drenched. Yeah. And I couldn't wait to just peel the clothes off and lay them out to dry like I was in Mexico. I just don't I haven't had that again since Sunday and I thought, "Oh, maybe I'm turning the corner." But as I sit here right now, my eyes are vibrating, okay. my brain is vibrating, know, my I body is vibrating. Oh
2: my god.
0: I, it's I horrible. It's miserable. It's horrible. I know it's miserable. Um so what so do I do anything I'm, do I really
11: just have to suck it up
0: I'm I'm looking up while I'm talking to you some of the management strategies I I I have used clonopin occasionally for this just to give people some withdrawal some some uh, relief I think cyproheptadine has been uh, advocated in certain situations
11: how um, long do i have I read you can, that you can I go could, along
0: for a long time and so that's why yeah you have i read to, that
11: uh, i could go on up to six weeks oh, i'm thinking oh e- god e- no. e-
0: easily easily uh, and Ugh. so you want to get something kind of going here and and the, and the less the, i'm trying to see if i can find anything and um and now because i have no job i have no insurance so now i don't have anybody to
11: call to write me anything up oh my god Ugh. I know. And you it's really, really do need
0: a, a psychiatrist who has experience with this. I, I do not I've seen it heard about it a million times. I'm not treated. And you know it.
11: what's interesting? I was never managed by a psychiatrist. I was always, actually I take that back. When 14 no 16 years ago, when I first went on it, yeah. I was managed by a psychiatrist. Then my general <laughs> prac, whoever it was at the time, um, and over time in the last 16 years has been has picked up the picked up the uh, responsibility so I don't even have a psychiatrist to to go to and of course with if I could even get Medi-Cal
0: then um this group is advocating switching to another SSRI you know well it's the same thing it's It's the same thing it's
11: still a neuro it's still going to screw up my neurotransmitters it's still going to be in my brain here's
0: our treating SSRI withdrawal with cyproheptadine let's see if it's what it says this is a it's not a you know the people have been using antihistamine and things what's going what is all that noise oh sorry that was on, let me get shut oh. that sorry. her phone
11: <laughs> yeah. it's the phone it's,
0: talk to it's, your doctor it's, about it's, cyproheptadine and that's the only one that comes to mind off and clonopin. those are the two that come to mind as most possibly useful um but you, you really you should... have
2: addiction in your family or whatever yeah obviously, no i don't have
0: addiction have to, in you have to my be, family. We have to be careful with the clonopin too because of course that will have withdrawal symptoms if you use too much of that right? yeah i don't
2: use too much of it so, i i could take like a half of one and i'm just out of it
11: so, well i don't want to be in a coma i haven't been able to exercise
2: I
0: know. because
2: I know. at night before you go to bed and then you just feel better the next day sometimes like, Sometimes I mean that's that for anxiety or whatever. So it's
0: very frustrating, very difficult. Uh, there, True. there are so many crazy withdrawal symptoms. What's that? Would something like okay,
3: clonidine look? work for what she's saying, or is that not applicable? Yeah, to
0: I was thinking about clonidine, but I, I, th- sometimes I, I, you know, I let, let me look it up for you. Did you, did you see that somewhere? I did I just, not look.
11: I, I did not look. I just. I When I looked it up, I just looked at basically. Uh, I didn't see any medication, but I was looking yeah. specifically for what the side effects were, what the withdrawal, what the side effects were with coming off of. And when I saw withdrawal, and I went, "Oh God, check, 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 check," I thought, "Oh my God, please don't make this go on for six weeks. I
0: can't." Yeah, clonidine is an option. Uh, let's see. Let's see if we have any other. Uh, that's that's the second. reason why Are it you, comes to mind.
3: I I just remembered yeah, because, because whenever they had me on all those like opioid painkillers for almost a year before. I had Oh yeah. Well, that's different. Claudine, that's disease. that
0: for sure works there. Yeah. For sure. Works it, there.
3: It works so well for the withdrawals and the tapering down and all of that stuff. I was totally fine. And I, my doctor had just mentioned, yeah. Oh, it's it, a lot of, in a lot of cases, it's almost like it, it's a, almost a one size fits all for a lot of cases for different things like this. So I wondered if they've tried that yet for this.
0: I'm just looking at, is
11: it, it? is it common like i was feeling a little bit better on sunday and it started back up again on monday and now
0: i'm like i haven't had the shakes
11: this bad yet yeah Um, is it supposed to be getting worse
0: (laughs) yeah i mean yes it does you have to kind of suppress it so it does look like clonidine Lofexidine, uh, and it's I've seen cyproheptidine being used. So these are all but you have to and you know it's activating the histamine system and the locus ceruleus, that seems to help with some of this stuff. And so Too bad yeah. I can't
11: just take Benadryl.
0: Well, I, I I wouldn't do that without supervision, that's for sure. Uh because
11: see. it would be a lot.
0: Histamine one, uh, uh yeah it's hard to say i i again you'd have to be very carefully watched so so i, I you've so got it i can't help do you.
11: it because i don't have a doctor well, so there's no, no point
0: yeah but uh, it's i can't you go to some sort of uh, teaching hospital or county funded or something like that i don't know i'm in la where can i go um there's a place called the magnolia center on the west side no, is that what it's called susan i don't know that place that,
11: is there anything in the valley
0: besides all of you uh, if that's even still there. Uh, no, what at S- there, what about at SC? No, all of you is a UCLA hospital. And so that would be a good place. Um, I can't think of anything else in the Valley off the top of my head. Uh, but there, you just look up, you know, county funded, you know, uh, teaching hospitals, that kind of thing. And you sh- but the problem is it's going to be, Oh yeah, you can t- you can come in, in three weeks, you know? So uh, maybe you can get somebody on the phone. I mean, see if you can get any crisis lines on the phone, get some advice. But it's uh, yeah. it's it's challenging. It's very challenging. It's and this, terrible. And people can even get akathesias uh, from What's that? where you start pacing around and you know you can't stop moving. It's a little different than what you're having. Your oh thing yeah, is, no, your I'm not thing having is that. The, the temperature dysregulation, the chills and the zaps, which are typical of the SSRIs and the and the nausea the and the nausea, oh. vomiting. Yeah, that's typical. I mean, oh. yeah. Yeah, oh, it's why uh, I, I I remind uh, everybody all medicines are bad. It's only when the risk reward is worth it, and you're reminding uh, us of that today. So
11: okay, so then, so then in that case, what should I? I'm I'm on that. I'm on Wellbutrin. I'm on um. I think
0: it's, Who is pres- are there? The, I'll tell you what. The, the, the doctor right? that's prescribing it cannot abandon you, even though you don't have insurance. So call that call that group or whoever that doctor is and tell them what's going on okay let's start okay. there okay
2: yeah they shouldn't be able to start work. with yeah, that ask about you know,
0: cyproheptadine know. ask about clonidine and can they help you and they should be able to do it over the phone because they are the prescribing they are responsible they are the ones the, they are the prescribing entity uh let's yeah i was going to say that talk to is that very quick here that was interesting for me just kind of review that uh, poor I've, lady. Seen, I've seen a lot of that stuff Ugh. yeah Seth, you got to unmute yourself there. What's going on?
12: Hi.
10: Hey. Sorry about that. You
0: bet. Hi.
12: Hey there. Um, I, I've been on the call for a while. I wasn't sure if you touched base on the RSV situation that's going on now.
0: I did not um, talk about it, but that's kind of okay. uh, awful. What's, what's Little neonates well, are getting a lot of RSV. RSV is on the rise. Yeah,
12: I don't have any... Baby that small. I have. We just got over RSV Mm. with my four-year-old and my one-year-old and myself. But they they too, my four-year-old's got it really bad. Mm -hmm. And obviously, it's scary when they have it. You go, you get checked in, and they're just like, "Oh, it's just RSV. Just go home and watch him." Yeah, he's turning blue. He's turning purple. He can't breathe at night. Put a vaporizer. Okay. But now I'm watching the news, and it's like, RSV, big bad virus with kids and this and that and now i'm wondering like okay so is it really bad because i was just sent home keep an eye on
0: him it's it's generally it's it's it can be a little scary but it's generally not bad but here goes the press again trying to make a trying to trying to freak people out and uh, they don't turn them off immediately to uh, give them what they deserve they start that shit immediately turn your television off immediately if, they, if you have a subscription to a newspaper that's trying it end your subscription that's the only way to get these people to to stop to stop this insanity <laughs> yes rsv is real rsv is dangerous rsv is nasty and it doesn't and most people get well fine uh and they did they ask you to get a o2 monitor on the finger or anything
12: I, they did not but i had that mm-hmm. so i have one of those and i always kept it on i have a pediatric one and i have an adult one great so i kept great. it on him Right. In the middle of the night, and I'd watch it go down while he's sleeping. Yeah, but he yeah, was sure. right next to me. He slept with me, and that's kind of all I did. And that's usually all. It's, it's
0: usually all it's required. It really is. Uh, you <laughs> might need some breathing treatments, and you might, you know, it it, it can be bad. I'm not going to kid you. And it's it's awfully pervasive now. It's it's really mm-hmm. coming on strong, and it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not like this coronavirus that know. mutate into nastier things all the time. This mm-hmm. is—it's what it is—and there's more of it. And uh, you got through it, and, and good, great—you're now through it.
12: Yep, yeah, yeah so, we totally did. But so, yeah, like you said, the media is like
0: just—they're out of control, going crazy
12: now. They're out and, of control. <laughs> and it's—it's—you're talking about all these different things and how the long term can affect. And now I'm like, wait a second—I I didn't.
0: No, RSV. I wasn't told about anything. No, no, you're good. You're good. RSV, you're good. Just get, just get through it, okay? All right. All right. that? thanks for the call. Thank you. Respiratory syncytial virus is what she's talking about. It's been around forever, but it's made a resurgence in uh, the day of post COVID. The thinking is that nobody got it because they weren't exposed to it because no one was going into hospitals, no one was going to doctor's office, kids weren't interacting with each other. And so it was you know less likely to occur. And now it's catching up with itself, so to speak. Now it's really, it's on. Okay, guys, I think that about does it. Um, we put in close to two hours here. Thank you for hanging out with us. I know a few of you still want to come up here, but I'm going to have to wrap this thing up. We are uh, out for about a week here. We are next back on Wednesday when we have uh, Dr. Aaron Carriarty coming back. He's the psychiatrist, medical ethicist that was uh, lost his job because of his concern with uh, mass vaccination and the way that... the uh, the uh is being conducted he he is a really bright very fine psychiatrist we will ask him hey um was it what was her name uh who had the withdrawal syndrome uh, call uh i don't see your name call back on wednesday if you're still having these symptoms and we'll talk to Kerry Artie about it he's an expert in these things and i'll try to remember i'm going to write it down right now uh to try to ask him about it susan anything on your uh radar no okay <laughs> okay okay we'll go back to watching las vegas jail tonight and enjoy <laughs> ourselves um and caleb thank you have a good week uh, i'm going to cleveland to talk to a drug treatment center then we are going to new york and then we're it's you know weird though mm.
2: i feel like that woman's energy like came through and i'm i'm like i could feel for her because mm. i i don't know i felt like that before but i just i feel like very i feel very anxious now <laughs>
0: Yeah. She she had uh she was in distress. She was accelerated and agitated from all she was going through. That's why I brought up the akathisia in case she started even getting that stuff uh later on. And uh yeah, it's 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 it's, it's you it's contagious. It sounded very painful. It's very uncomfortable. And it it got me you Know very quickly digging into the literature, trying to figure out what's going on here. But that's interesting for me to try to help somebody when they're in distress like that. I'm sorry if it, um, you know, diverted the attention of the show for a little while, but I thought it was worth spending the time just kind of. No, looking
2: I around. know. I wish we could help her more.
0: Well, I she's got the idea again, it's clonopin, clonody. Well, what about like healthy,
2: healthy living? Like,
0: yes, take a walk, yes, you know, yes, get yes,
2: outside, all of that. All do of that. some little exercise, yes, eat something good for
0: you, and. But it's 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 really it's hard but for But you can't
2: to, it doesn't take it away. It
0: just It's hard for people to describe how unpleasant it is. It's really unpleasant for people. And I've dealt with it a lot. Oh sure. And um drug withdrawal is th- awful. but this is not opiate withdrawal. This is something much more sort of it, it it it's almost like it's not happening, but it is happening. It's a very strange thing. Yeah. And, and it, imagine feeling electricity zapping from the back of your head to the front uh. at, on a constant basis, like, and it's because it's kind of neurological, it's uncanny, and it's difficult for them to describe it, but they know it's miserable, and uh, no doubt it is. All right, thank you all. Thank you, Caleb. And uh, we will see everyone next Wednesday with uh, Dr. Cariardi. See you then. 273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com/slash help.